Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to pay greater attention to the things that were heard, lest perhaps we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first, having been spoken through the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, by various works of power, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he didn't subject the world to come, of which we speak to angels, but one has somewhere testified, saying, What is man that you think of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he subjected all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we don't see all things subjected to him yet, but we see him who has been made a little lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he should taste of death for everyone. For it became him for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many children to glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will declare your name to my brothers. Among the congregation I will sing your praise. Again, I will put my trust in him. Again, behold, here I am with the children whom God has given me. Since then the children have shared in flesh and blood, he also himself in the same way partook of the same, that through death he might bring to nothing him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver all of them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For most certainly, he doesn't give help to angels, but he gives help to the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he was obligated in all things to be made like his brothers, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered. Being tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted, Last week in chapter 1, we learned about the deity of Jesus. We learned that in former days, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets, but now God has spoken to us through his Son, and this Son is greater than the prophets. The Son is greater than the means through which Moses received the law, the angels. And so chapter 2 is going to say, because of this fact, because of the fact that Jesus is superior to the angels, we need to give heed to him. And he says that if we don't give heed, we'll drift away. It doesn't take a lot to drift away. In fact, it takes a lot of energy sometimes not to drift away. I went to the beach with my family last year, 
And my daughter and I were out playing in the ocean and there was a strong current and it was taking us down the beach. I remember having such a good time playing in the waves and swimming with Tessa, my daughter, that I didn't realize we had drifted like way down the beach. I remember looking around at some point and thinking that maybe somebody had stolen our stuff, but then just realizing we were like 400 meters down the beach or something. So in order not to drift, we have to be anchored to something. And this is saying in chapter two that we need to pay attention lest we drift. Those are contrasted against each other. So you're either gonna pay attention and not drift or you're not gonna pay attention and drift. So what do we pay attention to? To Jesus. The writer now is going to compare the message delivered through the angels versus the message delivered by Jesus himself. And so we read, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Jesus is bringing a greater message. He himself is a greater being than the angels. And this message contains within it greater promises, but there's also greater condemnation for those who would neglect it. Now the writer of Hebrews makes a similar point when we get to Hebrews chapter 10, when he writes, a man who disregards Moses' law dies without compassion on the word of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think he will be judged worthy of who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and has outraged the Spirit of grace? No, if there are serious consequences for disregarding Moses' law, how much worse consequences will there be when God himself comes to the earth and declares a message and we decide to reject it? It seems like the author of Hebrews was writing to a Jewish Christian audience who was being tempted to fall back or drift back into Judaism. Here in Hebrews, when, when he asks, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? The word neglect is a word in the Greek, emilisantes. And this word is also used, for example, in Matthew 22:5, and it means to make light of something. So you have an opportunity to take something seriously, but you decide to ignore it or disregard it, make light of it. But guys, we cannot make light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is no small matter that God himself bore in his body our sins on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Okay, so the message was spoken by the Lord, but it was confirmed by those who had heard him through signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in Mark 16, 17, Jesus promises that miraculous signs would follow those who believe. And in the early church, those miraculous signs and wonders were given to Jesus' apostles like Paul and Peter as they went and preached the gospel to validate their message that they were servants of God and that their message could be trusted. Okay, now in verses five through eight of Hebrews two, we're gonna look into more of the humanity of Jesus Christ. In chapter one, we focused on his deity. Chapter two, the writer focuses a lot on his humanity and why that's so important. Jesus is fully God and fully man, and it was necessary for him to be both in order to be our savior. So the writer is quoting from Psalm eight, verses four through six. And part of that quotation is, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. 
You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. So you'll read a lot of times in prophecy or in Old Testament literature, messages that have dual fulfillment, where it might have an immediate meaning, but it could be more fully understood or fulfilled in something greater. And that may be the case here. For example, in a general sense, God created man in his own image originally and gave Adam dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But we sinned, we messed up, we haven't been good stewards of that. But we see this ultimately fulfilled in Jesus who came and we see Jesus who came as the perfect steward of the things to which God has entrusted humanity. Ultimately, Psalm 8 seems to be messianic It's talking about Jesus. You have crowned him with glory and honor and you have set him over the works of your hands. And of course, for those of us who are in Christ, we are heirs with Christ. It's interesting to me when Paul says in Corinthians that we will judge angels. Who knows what that means exactly? Angels never had the kind of dominion that man originally had been given by God. But Jesus was for a little while made lower than the angels. We read further in verses eight and nine, but now we do not see yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Interesting to note in this verse is that Jesus receives the promise of dominion, but it was fulfilled through humility and suffering. Hebrews two, starting in verse 10, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So it says here that Jesus was made perfect through sufferings. What does that mean that Jesus was made perfect? Wasn't he always perfect if he's God? Well, of course, because we just learned about his deity in the previous chapter. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, for example. So what exactly is going on here? The word perfect here doesn't mean moral perfection. The word means complete. John 1 says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. He was completed in his saviorhood, so to speak, and his role of being our high priest by taking on flesh and suffering on our behalf. And it says, because that's the case, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. So God in becoming like us, taking upon himself humanity, can identify with this inexperience. Jesus having lived the life he lived in the flesh now means that God has the human experience of sorrow and pain, which perfectly qualifies him to be the leader of our salvation. Man, what a loving thing to do for God to take upon him flesh He's not ashamed to call us brothers. God is so holy, meaning he's separate. He's so different from anything of his creation. And yet he willingly subjected himself to the darkness of this world. He himself being the light of the world without being influenced or stained by the darkness so that he could sympathize with this as the high priest. We read here in verses 14 through 16, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So apparently the devil had the power of death through Jesus' death on the cross, 
Jesus is able to destroy him who had the power of death. We know now that Jesus has the keys of death and Hades from Revelation. Through Jesus' death, we're also able to be released from the fear of death. Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The Apostle Paul teaches that to be absent from the body as a believer, as a Christian, is to be present with the Lord. There's nothing to fear regarding death when you're in Christ. And we have that victory because of Christ's death. It seems like in this culture and what's going on in the world these days, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of death. But Jesus brings us peace. So finishing off this chapter in verses 17 and 18, we can read, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when being tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Can you imagine, for example, let's say you're in the military and the leader of the military has no war experience, has no battle experience at all. He's never been in the field and he's given you all these orders, but he's never experienced any of those things firsthand. It'd kind of be hard to follow someone like that. Let's say your military commander was a war hero and he had suffered many things. He had gone through just about everything you can imagine in war and he had risked his neck, his life for those around him. He could be loved and respected because of that. And more than that, he could also sympathize with the people under him because he had been through everything that they're experiencing. There were things in the old covenant that were a type and a shadow of Jesus. And one of those things is the Levitical priesthood, in particular, the role of the high priest. Now the high priest of the old law made propitiation for the sins of the people on behalf of the people to God so that the wrath of God could be held back against them and they could receive mercy from God. And so the high priest made propitiation by taking the lives of goats and bulls and taking the blood of those animals once a year into the Holy of Holies, into the sanctuary or the tabernacle, past the second veil where only the high priest was able to go. And there he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and this would make propitiation for the sins of the people. And this would satisfy the demands of God's law against them. This would satisfy the wrath of God against his people, or at least temporarily in that instance, because that really never truly satisfied it. It was a picture of Jesus coming who would fully satisfy the wrath of God through his death on the cross. And so Jesus came to be the high priest, everything that the old law was pointing towards. Jesus came as the high priest of the coming good things to not only make propitiation, but that he himself would be the propitiation for the sins of the people. Through his own death and through his own blood, the wrath of God would be satisfied. So the role of the high priest was to represent the people and to mediate on behalf of the people and intercede. Here the writer is arguing basically that unless Jesus was human, he couldn't really do that. He couldn't fulfill this role as high priest. But because he is human, because he's been tempted and suffered yet without sin, He's able to help those who are tempted and sympathize with them. It's amazing to wrap your head around the idea that God himself has experienced anything that I'm going through. Like, it's not only that God knows about it because he's all-knowing, but he himself has decided to subject himself to the human experience. So the high priest in the Old Covenant wore a breastplate that had stones, and on these stones was engraved the names of the tribes of Israel he had this both on his chest and on his shoulders. 
So that was a picture for the constant sympathy that the high priest was to have with the people of God. He was always carrying them on his heart and in his work, so to speak, on his shoulders. Now think of Jesus, for he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Praise God for our faithful, sacrificial, loving, sympathetic high priest, Jesus Christ. book of life is where you want your name on the inside. They believe in Jesus' name. They have a guarantee of eternal of their faith in the living Christ who died and was raised is your name in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain yeah. are you saved In the flame. Everyone will be just before the great throne of God. Both great and small will account. They've done, and if your name's not found in the book of life, you'll be thrown into the fiery lake. If you declare this great salvation, how will you
That was Book of Life from the Adams Road album, Book of Life. That was From the Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee from the Adams Road Piano album, Hymns of the Faith. 
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 3. Grace and peace be with you all.